You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today we're going to talk about balance, but first let's catch up on life lately. Sarah, what is new with you? So my mom recently came into town for less than 24 hours to drop off my childhood bunk beds. Thanks, mom. Yes, I am so thankful that she came. And these are bunk beds that I believe my dad made for my brothers when they were younger. And then I also used them for a period of my childhood. I've been wanting the kids to have bunk beds because they're sharing a room and with their two floor beds, which is what they had before, it just took up a lot of space Mm. and it felt really crowded. And so it's been fun to have the bunk beds and the kids have loved them, but it's also been fun just to have the space feel different Mm. and have that fresh feel to it. And I went through everything in the room again and I'm just loving it. Yeah, that kind of furniture rearranging and living space reworking is something I always feel inspired to do at this time of year. Sort of like Mm. it's getting warmer, you want the windows open, and you want to change your space. Yes. It's been great. Now we just need to work out all of the bedtime situations so that that goes smoothly. Things have devolved a lot over the last few months, but I'm feeling inspired to refresh our routine with the new (laughs) space and new beds. Nice. What's been happening with you? Well, I did a similar change, a spring-like change, but on my body. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking at my hair the other day, and I just thought, you know what would help this hair? Bangs. (laughs) So I cut bangs into my hair on Sunday. I looked up some internet tutorials and went to work with the hair scissors. And I am very happy with the results. It looks great. I'm looking at it right now on Skype. (laughs) Thanks, friend. In spring and summer, I like to wear my hair wavy or curly because it does that already with all the humidity that's around these parts. Don't bite it. Just embrace it. Exactly. (laughs) But I have a lot of hair, and so it can tend to look out of control. But with the bangs, I can just style them. Mm. And then the rest of the hair can be out of control. And it actually looks cute rather than like, I haven't showered in days. Even if that's true, too. (laughs) Yes, that's often (laughs) true. Okay, now let's talk about what we've been reading. What's your latest read, Sarah? This is the best book I've read so far this year. It's An American Marriage by Tayari Jones. This is one I'd seen around but Mm -hmm. knew nothing about. And then, as you heard on the last episode, I've been getting into audiobooks. Nice. And this one was instantly available, and it's something I'd heard of. And so I thought, I'll give it a try. It's a novel about the relationship between Celestial and Roy. We meet them a little over a year into their marriage. And the premise of the book is that Roy is wrongfully imprisoned. And then the rest of the story follows their relationship, both while he is in prison and then after he is released, and what that does to their family and their marriage. It felt really powerful on a personal level, but then it's also this societal look at the failures of the justice system and what that means for families, not just on that bigger level, but really zooming in. Mm Mm-hmm. The character development was amazing. I really empathized with every character's position. And it's one of the books where it switches perspective as you go through. Mm -hmm. And the audio readers were great. I think that it is a book where listening to it enhanced my experience, Mm -hmm. which, as you know, is a new position for me to take. Yeah, but I'm right there with you. (laughs) Felt really true in this case. 
There was really nothing I didn't like. My only criticism of the audiobook was that there were two different readers, mm-hmm. and the reader for Roy would also do a celestial voice when there were these letters going back and forth during their time in prison. And right. I would have rather that she just read her own letters. But he also did a great job, and it's a very small criticism. (laughs) I would recommend this book for everyone. It was deep and thought-provoking on both the individual level and the societal level. But it still felt like a page-turner where you wanted to keep going and find out what happened. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really rare and wonderful combination. Yeah. And I listened to this on Hoopla after you said that it was Mm. instantly available at your library. I checked, and it was Mm -hmm. at ours, too. Because on Hoopla, everything is instantly available. On Overdrive, you often have to wait and get in line, and there's a holds list. But the way that Hoopla works is it's a pay-per-use. And so if they have it on Hoopla, it is available to everyone. The problem with that is Hoopla often doesn't have as good of a selection. So I was very impressed that they had this title. So I also listened to it this week, and you had said that it was amazing, and so great. And I really liked it and really liked the readers. And it's a quick one. It's only nine hours of audio if you listen on 1x speed, which, as we talked about last time, we don't. But it didn't land as much emotionally for me. Mm. It's just interesting to have such a different experience so close to listening to it at the same time. Well, I think that is true for the book you're going to share as well, only the opposite. So why don't you tell us what you've been reading? So I read Bear Town by Frederick Bachman, and this is a story of a Swedish hockey town. So all the characters in the book, all the people who live in the town, are somehow connected to the junior hockey team, which for the first time in a long time has been really successful. So there's this context of all this pressure for the team to do really well so that then the town can succeed, so that they might build shopping centers there and build bigger roads and build a new hockey school. So there's all this focus on how are the juniors going to do in the semifinals and finals. And then I'm trying not to give spoilers, but someone rapes someone else. And then the rest of the book is the fallout around that situation and how it affects the town and how it affects the team and how it affects the individual characters. I loved this book. I loved the characters and their relationships. One of my favorites was the two high school age girls who were best friends. There was something about that that just reminded me of how intense friendships can be at that age Mm -hmm. and how necessary they can be, sort of your independence and growing into yourself. And they even say that, that there's no friend like the friend that you have when you're 15. Exactly. I loved one of the characters, Benji and his sisters. I loved that the book as a whole felt like a really powerful commentary on the patriarchy and toxic masculinity, and how that arises in many communities around sports. Yet at the same time, talked a lot about the gray areas of that, about how powerful the sport can be for people and how it can give them a reason to live where they didn't feel like they had one before. And connections to other people in their community and feeling part of something bigger than themselves. Exactly. It was a very emotional and thought-provoking read for me. And for me, I thought that I would love this book. It feels like a book that I would love. I love sports stuff. I love books that talk about heavy subjects Mm -hmm. and address this in this very human way. But something about the writing did not work for me. And I felt like I was just 
getting to the end because I wanted to know what happened, but mm-hmm. I wasn't enjoying the reading experience as much. So I'm not quite sure what didn't work, but I liked it, but didn't love it. And I listened to it, and I don't know if that made the difference of being able to get into it, but there was not much that I didn't like about it, and I would recommend it to everyone, but I do want to include the trigger warning for rape. Now let's move on to our topic for today. We're going to talk about balance, so let's start first by defining it. I think balance for me is feeling content with the pace and schedule of my life. So what that looks like on a daily or weekly level is that I'm getting enough sleep, Mm. I'm eating relatively well, and that I have time to read every day and have my house mostly picked up. Mm. Not clean, but with things being put away. Not cluttered. Yes. And my biggest tell for when I am not feeling balanced is that I have very little patience for the people closest to me. Mm. And I think that really comes out in my parenting that I'm just a less patient parent than I am otherwise. Yeah. What about for you? So for me, balance is dedicating the time that I have to the things that are most important to me. So that's making hard decisions. That's prioritizing stuff. I've had to really revise my definition in order to not feel as though I am failing in my life. I think it's really easy to look at my life and be like, oh, all you do is work or all you do is work and parent. And that's not a great way to feel balanced. Yep. (laughs) So thinking about it, you know, I need to ask myself these questions. Am I prioritizing the things that are the most important to me? And what are those things? And that sort of constant reevaluation and definition of it for myself and not what everyone else is saying is how I think about it these days or how I'm trying to think about it. I think I also have a definition that feels very specific to me Mm. because I think from the outside, usually when you hear about balance, it's about work-life balance. And I think as parents, there's also this idea that we need to have something outside of ourselves and we also need to be present with our families and we need to have a thriving social life Mm. and we need to be doing all these healthy habits. I think looking at it that way, I don't feel like I'm leading a balanced life because on the work-life spectrum, I have a lot more life and a lot less work right now. And a lot more parenting life and a lot less like you as an individual life. Exactly. And I think that there's this narrative that to feel like a whole person while you're parenting, you also need to have this intellectual side of you that you're pursuing and you also need to have these other things that are separate from that. And I think for me in this phase of my life that I feel most balanced when I'm ignoring that definition Mm. and that requirement and just asking myself if I feel good about the life that I'm leading right now and if it's working for me. Yeah. And the answer to that is yes, even though I'm not meeting what I think of as society's definition. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point that there is a lot of noise around balance and expectations outside of ourselves and outside of our own families and what we as individuals or as a family unit need. And that it's really easy to feel bad about, quote unquote, lack of balance in your life Mm -hmm. if you are listening to people who don't know the reality of your own situation. You know, when I think about if I'm achieving balance or not, I have to go back to my own definition because, like I said, different aspects of my life are balanced in different ways. I think my aspirational self would get all this sleep and have all this time for self-care and socializing 
and plenty of time to chop vegetables and clean things and also have fulfilling work and also be the kind of parent I want to be all the time. But that feels like that kind of having it all thing that if I just keep striving and striving and striving, that I'm going to feel disappointed because Mm -hmm. it's unlikely that I'm going to hit those metrics that I've invented in my head or that society has put on me or that other people have expected of me or whatever. Or that you'll hit them all at the exact same moment. Right. That there's a lot of ebb and flow in finding balance in parenting. But then maybe when you have that, you have less balance in self-care or in relationships with friends. That's exactly right. So the question that I'm asking myself, which is based on my definition that I've invented, is am I fitting in the things that are most important to me alongside the things that are mandatory? So the things that I have to do. I mean, most of that is work, but then also things like I have to take care of the animals. Some of the parenting stuff feels mandatory and that I would prefer to not do that, but you just do it. So day to day things for me can often feel unbalanced, but for the most part, I get most of what I need. It also helps me to remember that this is a challenging season of life for many reasons. You know, having a young kid is just one of them. But also I've talked about on the pod before that we're working on paying off debt. And Andrew is still technically in a training type position. So he's not necessarily where he wants to be forever career wise. And so I think all of that combines to make our family life a little challenging balance wise. Mm -hmm. But I think that balance is still achievable or feeling balanced is still achievable if I can be really realistic with myself about prioritizing and meeting the needs that need to be met for me. So from what you're saying, it sounds like you're really looking at balance on more of a day-to-day or week-to-week and finding peace with the balance that you have right now, as opposed to thinking of this as the balance of your life overall Mm. or where you want to be long-term. Yeah, I think that's accurate because I don't feel like I have really capacity or bandwidth to zoom out and look at it long term. Mm, Yes. That I need to do the best I can moment to moment and day to day so that I don't feel like I'm losing my mind. And I still feel like that sometimes. In fact, a lot. (laughs) But I think I do better if I say, okay, Today I did this, 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 and altogether that creates a pretty balanced day Mm -hmm. versus my mom calls it awfulizing, Mm. which is where I'm like, all I do is work and parent and I hate my life. (laughs) So I try and get more in the present and the immediacy, like you're saying, Mm -hmm. so that it can help me have perspective rather than feeling overwhelmed about how hard things are globally. Yes. And this... Next question is related because it's a symptom of feeling unbalanced, but a lot of people complain about feeling overscheduled. So have you encountered this in your life? And if you have, how do you deal with it? Or if you haven't, how do you avoid it? I think I have felt overscheduled in the past, but I would say that is not something that I've been feeling lately. Mm. I think we are very intentional about not overscheduling ourselves And that I know myself and I know how I feel when we have too much on our plates and that 
our whole family as a family of introverts just needs a lot of downtime. And this year with HP starting kindergarten, I feel like we really doubled down on our commitment to say no to things. Mm. And across the board, we just do a hard pass on any evening activities and really anything other than school and church. Because going to full day kindergarten already felt like a lot and that Mm. that was a huge shift for us to adjust to. And that if we were trying to put anything else on top of that, it would have been too much. And we would have seen pretty quickly the negative effects of that. Yeah. And that is not at all a judgment on other families who do more and have more activities. But I just know the personalities that we have and that that would not be a good fit for us. So we've been really intentional about how we've set up our lives and our schedule to be able to have that open space and to be able to really feel like we're not overscheduled and overbooked. And while I do think that we made a lot of choices to get to that point, I also know what a privilege it is to be able to make those choices. Mm -hmm. And I feel really grateful that I don't feel too busy or unbalanced or overscheduled. Absolutely. How are you feeling these days about being over or underscheduled? So I feel like I'm emerging from a really tough couple months of really feeling overscheduled work-wise where there were many days where I looked at the hours in the day that were available for work and estimated how long the work I had to do would take Mm -hmm. and then felt completely in over my head, like there literally weren't enough hours to do the things I needed to do. And a lot of that was of my own making, where I was not saying no to freelance writing work that I should have been saying no to. So that's gotten much better. I think it was a really good learning experience. It's really hard as a new freelancer to say no to work Mm. because there's always this question of, will I never work again if I say no to this one thing? Yes. And so a lot of that is me trusting myself that I will be able to find work again if I need to and that I need to balance earning income with feeling overscheduled and overwhelmed in my life. So that's another place that balance comes in. And it seems like as a freelancer, there's that piece about being worried that if you say no, that you won't get more work. But there's also just figuring out what it means to say yes to a certain amount of work and what that actually looks like and that there will be a lot of trial and error with that. Right. And that almost that you have to get to that unbalanced or overscheduled point to know that that is that point and so that you can figure out where a happier places to land. Yes. And I got to that point and I feel very optimistic that I've learned what I needed to learn from going through that time and that it won't happen again, at least for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what happens when I feel so overscheduled with work is that it's really hard for me to commit to anything else. So I'm different from you in that I'm an extrovert and social time really does fill me up. But it also is this thing that that social time better be really high value and really worth it. Mm. Because if I commit to something social in lieu of staying home and getting things done and being able to go to sleep and rest well, then that can be really problematic. (laughs) Yes. So like I said, I hope that that time of intense overscheduling is past for me. But I also think that strategies to cope with feeling unbalanced and feeling overscheduled can only help me if it happens again. Yes, you have some more tools now to utilize. Right. And I'm hoping to learn tools from you right now. So Sarah, tell me, what do you do? (laughs) 
when you're feeling unbalanced or are there resources that inspire you to bring more balance to your life? On the action side, Mm -hmm. one thing that helps me is to put my house in order Mm. and not to clean it, but to have it so there aren't a lot of toys, books, pillows, clothes, flotsam across every surface of our home. Mm -hmm. And once that happens, it feels like everything else feels more manageable to me. Mm. And it's one of those things, too, where I think it's going to take forever and I don't have time to do it. And then I do it. I'm like, oh, that took 15 minutes. (laughs) And I feel so much better. I love this. (laughs) Andrew has come home from work and the house has been in shambles. And I think he is more sensitive to that than I am. Mm -hmm. But he'll kind of look around with, you know, big eyes. Yes, I know the feeling. And I'll say to him, (laughs) the house looks how I feel. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate to both ends of that, actually. (laughs) The other action item for me is just to sleep more because Mm. I always feel better when I'm well rested. And sometimes even when the house is a total mess or if I feel like I have a lot to do, Just going to sleep early and then knowing that in the morning, it's not going to feel like that big of a deal. It's going to take me 15 to 20 minutes in the morning to get things going and to feel like things are back on track Mm -hmm. and that it's not worth doing in the evening. And so like knowing when to let go of that Mm. and that it will be easier to do it another time. Can you sleep when you feel unbalanced or overwhelmed? Does sleep come easily? I've had different points where I am feeling a lot of anxiety and find it hard to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. But in general, I don't have a problem going to sleep because I know that that is what I need to do. Nice. And kind of related to that, on the mental side, I just try and put things in their proper perspective. That I think now I am much better than I was a decade ago about catching myself when my thoughts are spiraling, similar to what you were talking about with awfulizing. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. And just knowing that things will be better, that I'm going to feel differently about it after I've had a good meal or after I've slept or just after whatever event it is has passed, because usually it is something that will pass. And being able to see that and to look forward to a different time and Mm. to know that that is there Mm -hmm. is a skill I feel like I've been working on and have improved on a lot over the last few years. Yeah, that's along the same lines of realizing that this is just a season of our lives. Yes. And that it's not going to go on and on and on. And I think part of that for me is also knowing that I have agency and that life isn't just happening to me, but that I can make choices, that I can ask for help, or I can care less about certain things, or I can set something up differently, or I could get more childcare or less childcare, or rearrange our schedules. And it's not that I can always fix or change things, Mm -hmm. but I can always change something. And knowing that makes it feel so much more in my control. So even if I'm not making those changes, I know that I could, that I don't feel stuck. Yeah, that you have options. Exactly. So I love that you said not caring or caring less, because that's my main thing. Mm -hmm. It's just letting go of stuff has really helped me feel more balanced. For instance, I have let go of having a clean house, Mm -hmm. mostly ever, but I still do clean when people are coming in town, but I just don't worry about it that much. Yeah. And eating really healthy food, I think, whether it's a mental hurdle or an actual hurdle, it feels like really hard work to plan healthy things. So things that require a lot of vegetable chopping and shopping and making sure the ingredients that are fresh get used in a certain amount of time. And so I would say we eat medium neither healthy nor unhealthy most of the time and that it does average out. Mm -hmm. I've also worked really hard, and we talked about this earlier, to let the only expectations that I have for myself be mine. 
and not societal expectations and not even expectations of people that I care about their opinion. Right. Because they're not me and they don't know what I need. Even dear friends who would like me to be social more, but I don't feel like I'm up to it because if I schedule something, I will be more unbalanced. Even if it's fun, it just might not be the highest priority that particular day or week or month. Right, exactly. Another example of this, which I think is a cultural expectation, especially of at-home parents, is that I'm doing things a lot with my kid. Mm. Going to the museum, going to story time. And I've really had to look carefully at whether that's the right thing for us. Mm -hmm. And this year, I made the decision not to renew our science museum membership. We received it as a gift last year, and it was really fun. But it also just felt overwhelming to pack up the bag, to have all the snacks, to drive across town, to do playing which we can do really well in our backyard or in the park up the street. (laughs) Right. And I think people can have judgment around that. You're an at-home parent, but you're not taking your kid to this stuff. Yep. I just have to say, maybe for you, but not for me. Mm -hmm. And realize that Plum and I are doing great and that she's going to get what she needs and that it's not necessarily the science museum. I totally agree. And I see exactly what you're saying. I think there is the pressure to make being a stay-at-home parent a full-time job. Mm. Not that it's not (laughs) full-time work, but that needing these external things that you can show for what you're doing to justify it. And I I think that we could talk about that a lot more. (laughs) And maybe we will talk about stay-at-home parenting in a future episode. Yeah, but I fully support what you're doing. And just like I said about our St. Louis trip, that right. my kids weren't <laughs> interested in what we were there. It's not that they didn't like it, yeah. but they were just as happy at the open field across the street building their stick house or running down the hill at the zoo instead of seeing animals, that they don't need the things that we feel like we need to provide for them. Right. So those are our strategies. What about our specific resources for finding balance? So I have two books that I would recommend. One is Simplicity Parenting by Kim John Payne. I believe I've mentioned this on the podcast before, Mm. probably in our parenting episode. Yes, I think so. But it's one that I come back to, and I feel like it's one that just gives me permission to lead the life we want to and to resist this idea that I should have more either in my kids' lives or my own life, and that the pace of life we've cultivated, and what we're doing is enough. Mm. Every time I read it, I just feel like I have this big sigh of just like, ah, yes, it's okay. It's okay to say no. It's okay to do what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just need that. Yeah, so validating. And another book that I'm looking forward to checking out and reading is called The Joy of Doing Nothing by Rachel Jonan. Mm. And she is the author of the Minimalist Mom blog. I've read her previous books, and I'm really excited for this one, just talking about this idea of having that space in your life and the value that that brings, Mm. which I think is just another way of making it okay to prioritize that instead of what society thinks we should be doing and how we should be spending our time. Yeah. And the book that I would recommend is along those lines as well. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but Big Magic by Liz Gilbert is my recommendation. Yes. That book focuses on doing creative work, but I also think it applies to the work of life. 
And I love so much the themes in that book about prioritizing what's really important to you and doing things for yourself Mm -hmm. and not based on expectations from anyone else. So society, loved ones, basically anyone outside of you. She talks about doing your creative work for yourself, but I think you can also live your life for yourself and that that's a really amazing way to find balance. And that the value is in the process, Mm. not in the outcome. Yeah. I think that's something that can be really hard to remember amidst all the cultural noise. Such a good point. So that's the end of our conversation about balance today. But listeners, we would love to hear from you about how you define balance, how it looks in your life, and resources that you'd suggest that you use to cultivate a more balanced feeling. So let's finish up by talking about what we've been eating. I've been making chocolate mousse. Yum. So this started because I bought a little container of chocolate mousse from our co-op and it was pretty expensive and I could have eaten like five of those containers. (laughs) So I said, I need to figure out how to make this myself, make this a little more economical. And I found an awesome recipe that is for dark chocolate mousse, which I like because I don't want it to be too sweet. Mm -hmm. And it's really simple. It is egg whites, chocolate chips, heavy cream and sugar. And so you melt the chocolate chips, you beat the cream, you beat the eggs, and then you combine it all and try not to mix it too much. Okay. And then you put it in the fridge and it's delicious. I took it to a dinner party the other night and everyone there loved it. And it's the perfect dessert because it's cool for spring. I love that. What have you been eating, Sarah? So I've made this twice in the last couple of weeks, and it's another dish that feels like it's turning more towards spring and summer. Yay! So I made chickpea salad, Mm. and chickpeas cooked in the Instant Pot, of course. Whole? Whole chickpeas? Yes, I know. Wow! (laughs) Listeners will know that that is not usually my preference, but that is the way that it happens. Otherwise, it would be a very mushy situation. Be more like a hummus. (laughs) Hummus with other things added. No, it's not that. So the other ingredients are cucumbers, cherry tomatoes, feta cheese, craisins. And then I think the original recipe calls for parsley. Mm. I've been having cilantro on hand, so I've been using that instead. Yeah. And then for the sauce, I just take a lemon and squeeze it on top of all of that. So it feels really fresh, but also relatively hearty with the chickpeas and the feta cheese. That sounds really good. I love just simply dressing a salad with lemon. That's how we always make our kale salad. It's Mm. just with lemon and oil and salt. Yes, very bright. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. Listeners, we love to connect with you on our website, friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, and getting your emails to friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. We're so fast at recording when we don't record a third of the podcast. Yep. Am I in charge or are you in charge? No, I'm in charge. Okay. (laughs) Is that weird? (laughs) Yes. Tell us more. You got it. Okay. You are with me, Sarah. (laughs) Following.